we are now recording. I'm Jonathan Dixon. I'm here with Grandma Arta Jean Christensen. Say hello, Grandma. Hello, Grandma. We're here on the My Family Her Story podcast. It is June 8th, sorry, 8th, not 9th, 2021. Our goal here is to preserve in podcast form stories and memories for future generations and to have a good time. Today we're talking about your life in the early 1960s, uh, raising the family, uh, building the business, two world fairs, and uh, just your adventures um, before we were recording, you were talking about the building of, uh, the Winder Stake Center and Chapel just down the road. Um, can, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, this, this ward was, this ward was organized, came into being just before we moved here. And one of the reasons that that we chose this location was that Don had a spiritual confirmation that in this place he could best serve the Lord. And it came to pass that right away after after we moved here, within four months, he was put in the bishopric. One of the reasons I think that he was selected to be to be in this position was that he was a builder and this new ward and the stake were going to be under <clears throat> under the obligation of building a, a meeting house a chapel for the for the ward to to meet in and also it would be the stake center uh, so there would be the stake Offices would be there as well as the as the ward uh, the the functions for the ward like the chapel and the gym and the classrooms right. all of all of those things so it was not it was not under construction yet but it was just in the 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 ward members knew that this was the the next thing to be done and they actually were teasing quite a bit when they when they saw this nice home that that Don was building here they they started kind of speculating that this was the new chapel this this house is a little larger than the average house in the neighborhood and uh, they were interested in watching it progress as as during the year that it was under construction. Why then they then there were these uh, speculations going around that this is the new this is the the meeting house this is the cha- the ward chapel and they they said some things like well you see there's a uh, baptismal font in the back and <laughs> there's some other things that they felt like surely that surely a house that large must have a classroom <laughs> and baptismal fonts and a gym and that's that's going to be the new building <laughs> so that was that was a, 
the little teasing that was going on during during the time that that was under construction, and then and then we moved in and and the bishop uh, asked Don to be in a counselor in the bishopric. They actually uh, changed out both of the counselors at that time and and got two new ones and this young builder with all his expertise was very much needed at this moment in the in the building that was about to begin and one of the things that was going on in the in the ward was that they were having activities in which they were raising raising money for to build the building. We don't do it this way anymore, but at that time we had to raise the money to build for the for all the materials and then donate the labor to actually build the building. Our ward members helped with with the building of the of the chapel when it was under construction and so Don was well qualified to be in the bishopric and to and to uh, power some of these activities and one of the things that he thought of to do was to have the ward members build a duplex. This was what he was building in his in his uh, business was uh, duplexes, home homes that had two apartments in them, and uh, uh, so he felt like that if if they built, if they the ward members donated the labor to build these buildings. Then they'd sell them and donate the money that they raised, the profit for the sale of the duplex, would go to the ward building fund and the people would learn skills to enable them to help with the building of the building itself when it, when it actually came under construction. So they did this and as I recall there were two two different duplexes were built and uh, and the funds were donated to the building fund as as we mentioned there were a lot of other things going on we'd have a bake sale or we'd have a rummage sale or we'd have some other activity charge money to put on a play and charge money to come and see the play and the money would go to the building fund and such like things as that. Was that like a primary children play or was that like adults in the ward? That would have been adults in the ward. Community theater for the win. <laughs> <laughs> so all of these things, all of these things were going on and we used to we used to tease about this. We'd say, well, we we furnish the the products to be sold. And we furnish the the food that we're going to eat at the party, and then we pay money to get in, 
and buy the products back again <laughs> that we just donated. And in this way, we raised money for the building fund. But this was, this was a, a regular activity. And when they actually did start the building of the, of the ward meeting house and the steakhouse, um, these people who had donated their, their labor to build these uh, duplexes actually had learned skills that they could use in in building the actual chapel itself. They got all the kinks out on the duplexes, so by the time <laughs> they got to the chapel, they were professionals. Ah, there you go. Well, this is this was an an interesting thing, and uh, Don actually went to the to church headquarters and got permission to. Uh, handle handle this uh, building project in this manner the build for the building of the duplexes and to and to sell them and uh, then when it came to when it came time to uh, actually transfer the transfer the uh, title of the of the property they had purchased it in the name of the church and then we had to to uh, transfer the the title back to the person who bought the who bought the duplexes and uh, there was a little kink came along and and when the when the bishop uh, When the when the bishop tried to get this to happen, why whoever he talked to at the real estate department of the church says, "Oh well, we don't do things like that." And he said, "Well, maybe not, but we do it." <laughs> <laughs> and then he then he quoted a member of the first presidency who had given us permission, and and this man said. Oh well, if he says it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> so, okay. So that was just part of that was just part of the process of of raising the money and building and building that building, and uh, that there's a little pride, I guess, a little personal involvement when the, when the people actually put their put their treasure and their time and their talent into into uh, building the building the building like that why it it gives you a feeling of possession and and pride in yeah it's not like it. i symbolically helped lay those bricks by paying tithing it's like I literally put that brick exactly where it is and did the mortar and I built this with my hands. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of that kind of a lot of that kind of work done, a lot of uh, like laying the tile on the bathroom floor for example, every time you go to use that bathroom you think I put that tile on the floor or 
or wherever wherever you worked while you you uh, had that had that feeling of, of possessiveness and which I think was I think was really good the the ward was together the ward was very much uh, unified unified in in doing doing this work and working together on this project and making it come to pass so anyway it took it took 2 years to build the to build the chapel from the time they started in 1962 till it was completed in 1964 anyway along and through here the, the there was a world's fair held in Seattle and uh, my my own brothers and sisters who lived in California thought it would be fun for us all to go to the world's fair together and so we did and Seattle was your mission right yes I, or, I so this would be like going back to visit the mission <laughs> yes it it was that and uh, so it, that was that was just uh, a lovely experience that we had and a nice time that we had with with my brothers and my brother and my sister two sisters and their husbands all went together to Seattle to see that and some of the things that they built for the world's fair are still there for example the space needle that is kind of the symbol of Seattle today mm-hmm was uh, was built for that world's fair and there were some other some other things that uh, uh, a world's fair is a very awesome production because they put in the very best uh, things that they can think up and there's a lot of new ideas that you l- first learn about at the world's fair and then different countries put displays up as well so it's it was really that was really a lovely experience for us all and my family at that time consisted of of uh, Jean who was six years old and Mary who was five years old or Jolene who was five years old and Mary, who was four years old, and Martin, who was two, and Evan, who was a, a newborn baby in 1961. So by then he was about a year old. And did you old. bring all the kids to the World's Fair? No, we didn't. We did not. We. I can't remember at this moment who took care of our kids while we were gone, but we did not take them with us. And how long were you there? How long is we don't do world's fairs anymore, I guess, cause well, I haven't been one for many years. I don't remember when the last one was, but so how long is a world's fair? Well, they usually have it going on for like a month. It, it, oh, okay. It it's in process for quite a for quite a long period of time. But anyway, that was a that was a grand experience for us and. And uh, we enjoyed that a lot. That was that was in Seattle. 
and then my my parents, uh, Irvin and Lexi Warnock, received a mission call to go to England for two years, and they left in 1962. And how old were they in 1962, roughly? They had their they had their 70th birthday while they were there, so I guess they were in that neighborhood. 68, 69, 70. Somewhere, somewhere along in there. And they, when they left, they were talking, we were talking about things in general, but they thought that it would be, as long as they were overseas, they would really like to travel to the Holy Land and see the places where Jesus walked and where the important things that are recorded in the Bible took place. And they, so we told them at that moment, we just said, hey, that would be a wonderful trip. Don and I will go to, we'll meet you at the end of your mission and we will travel down to, to Israel, to the Holy Land. Uh, together, and we'll make sure that you get a chance to do that. Well, we went on this, they went on their mission with this expectation, and then along the way, we discovered that we were having a baby, and we fussed about that, Don and I fussed about that quite a bit for a while, and finally we decided, well, we possibly might get back to overseas again sometime in our lifetime, but we thought that our aged parents were not ever going to get back to the Holy Land and that it was worth the effort that, that we'd have to put into it to get them to go because if we didn't go, we, we were the only ones in the family who could make this happen. But if we didn't go with them, probably nobody would, and they wouldn't get the opportunity of going to, to visit the Holy Land. And so I talked this over with my obstetrician, and he'd, he was very much very much against the idea of us doing that. And, but I, I felt like that it would work out all right and that we'd be able to, that we'd be able to do that and do it safely. I had had in between the children that I had, I had many miscarriages and this doctor just didn't think that it was safe for me to make this trip, ride that airplane seven hours and, and go across the ocean and then be over in one of these strange countries and all of that. And he made me sign a, a, a waiver that that he had that he had warned me of all the dangers of, of making this trip 
it, I was actually seven months along when when the time came and so it was it it was a little bit of a risk I suppose and and uh, but we we just were determined that we could do it and we had we had our spiritual confirmation that things would be all right so we started out and by that by now there was another world's fair going on in new york city this was uh, a couple of years later than the one in in you and grandpa were world's fair travelers (laughs) (laughs) so we decided that we we decided that we would just go and make the make the schedule fit what we wanted to do and we would go to New York City and visit stop long and stop there long enough to visit the World's Fair and then and then go on across the ocean to we were actually flying to Switzerland my one of my brothers was living in Switzerland at that time had a had a a job there and was uh, had had his home there and had been there maybe a couple of years I don't remember when they went there but but we were going to meet them there and then go down to the Holy Land with my parents So that was the plan, and we took our suitcases to the airport, dropped them off at the flight that we were going to take across the ocean, and then we went to the World's Fair, and it was marvelous. There were so many interesting and good things to to observe there, and it was such a such a grand delight. And then we thought, now about now we need to be leaving the World's Fair and going back to the airport and taking our flight overseas. And we had already walked a long, long way in the to see all the sights of the fair. And uh, the church actually had a beautiful pavilion at the New York World's Fair. And the 1964 New York World's Fair. I just want to, th- Grandma, you are so just, oh man, to use a $10 word, indomitable. You're seven months pregnant, and you're like, "Yeah, let's go, let's go on a multi-continent <laughs> trip across the ocean, and let's just hit up the World's Fair on the way there." And and you have at this point five kids with a sixth on the way, and it's just, it's I don't know. It, I just am, I'm and we're here like seven months pregnant, five kids, multiple continents, and you're just like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> Your doctor made you sign a waiver saying... I wouldn't hold him responsible. You wouldn't hold him responsible. 
And you're like, wouldn't hold them responsible for adventure. <laughs> so you go. It is it is just wildly inspiring to me because I feel like I feel like oh, for so many people my age, um there's this there's this idea that once you have kids, you just sort of like your life is over. Like you stop going on adventures and <laughs> and that is just so untrue. Sorry for having this little this little input. I just had to in my head this picture of you going on this huge wonderful trip seven months pregnant was so like i don't know inspiring so i wanted to put that in there but well thank you and when i think back on it now i i sometimes think you were crazy <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we just we wanted to do it and we wanted to experience all the things that we did I'll, before and during and after it was it was just something we we really wanted to do and we we did it so here we are in the middle of the afternoon and somewhere in the middle of that expansive fair world's fairground in new york city and we didn't seem to have any way of finding out how to get out of the fairgrounds and we walked and we walked and and we asked a few people but nobody seemed to know the answer and I was getting awfully awfully tired and finally we were sort of getting desperate because we knew that we had to make that flight to go overseas and so we came to a we came to a place where i can't i can't exactly visualize this in regard to where it was but we were like on one level and then we saw a stairway that was going down to another level which would was we didn't know what was down there but we thought that this kind of looked like of an exit of some kind but by then I was exhausted and I I said to Don this might go out but if it doesn't go out and I have to climb back up that stairway I can't do that so you go down and find out whether or not it this is actually an exit and I'll, I'll just wait here. But there wasn't any place to sit down. And I was standing there holding on to the railings that surrounded this stairway. And just tears just rolling down my face because I was in so much pain. And I was so scared that we weren't going to make, the, make our flight. And here he came, he came back up and said, this takes us out. Come, come ahead, and I'll help you down the stairway, and which he did. And when we got down there, there was like a train going right by there, but it's like a like a subway train. It wasn't underground, but it was a train that would stop it, like every so often, and pick up 
passengers and and it was like a subway that just wasn't sub. Yeah. It was like a just just a way. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So so anyway, we were able to get out that way. We we got on the train and paid just paid our fare to ride the train, which was just a small amount of money, but but then when we were sure that we were outside of the fairgrounds and were in a place that was part of the city, we we got off the train and hailed a cab, a taxi that was that was in the neighborhood, and told him that we needed to go to the airport. And so he wanted to know. He had me he had me tell him exactly what plane we were to get on and what time it was supposed to leave and everything about it. And he said, wow, you don't leave a guy much time. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, we've been trying to get out of that, that uh, World's Fair area for, for a couple of hours. <laughs> didn't, didn't know how to get out of there. Anyway, he he was really a, sm, a smart cab driver, and he he took us he took us to that great big airport, uh, John F. Kennedy Airport. He took us there and drove us right up to the exact right place to a doorway. We went through that doorway and were immediately in the right place to catch our to catch our plane, which astonished me. I thought, how did he know exactly where to put us so that we didn't have a long concourse to walk down or something? But we didn't. We just walked. It was very close to where we were were to actually board the plane, and so. We came. We came in. We went into the through that doorway, got right on the airplane, and I was, as I said before, I was already exhausted, and I sat down in my seat, and I thought, "We're going to have this baby on this airplane." <laughs> You've been walking all day long, and you you sit down on the seven hour flight. You're like, "Happy birthday, Rachel! <laughs> this is gonna be it." Oh, I thought I really thought that it was it, and I and I sat there, and I felt like I didn't dare move. I didn't dare shift my body in any direction because I thought, surely, we're about to have this. <laughs> have this baby and anyway time went on and it became nightfall and they fed us food on the airplane and it just we just there was there was in front of in front of me there was some kind of a little little screen that to uh, would kind of told us where we were in regard to the world and i just kept thinking 
we just have to get all the way off of this airplane and get in a <laughs> in a country so <laughs> so I can have this child. So, so this baby can be born somewhere, not just over the Atlantic Ocean. Oh man! But as it turned out, this as time went on, I felt better and I felt better as I rested and and by the time we actually got to Switzerland and I got off that airplane, I felt pretty good, back to normal again, and and the baby didn't come. (laughs) So anyway, that was just a a little sidelight in regard to that trip, but then we had a couple of days in in, uh, Switzerland and enjoyed that with, with my brother and his wife and their kids and and uh, one of my nieces was she was actually working in in Paris and she came over so that she could visit with grandpa and grandma for a little while and so anyway, you had a brother in Switzerland and a niece in Paris? Yeah, wasn't that interesting? A very international family. <laughs> that all that was going on at the time. 1964, I guess it was the time to be in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> so so we had we actually went down to uh, um Italy to Rome for a, a day and you see we were we were going to make the best of everything we were going to see everything there was to see in the meantime so we had a couple of days in Switzerland and then we had um, a day or two in Rome and then we then we uh, left all of those people and went on over to the Holy Land and and this is is this with your parents? With my with my parents, yeah. What did they think? Because they were both, um, as far as I understand, born and raised like Central Utah farmers. What did they think of of uh, you know the the Swiss Alps, the Eternal City, Rome, uh, you know Europe? Like how <laughs> how did that for them, born in the eighteen hundreds and growing up in Central Utah, uh, how how was that for them? Well, as you can as you can imagine, they were pretty interested in everything, and I felt so blessed that we were able to go and help them to experience those things, because it meant it meant an awful lot to them. And just as a sidelight here, they took uh, in those days what we did was take pictures that became slides Mm -hmm. and they they went back to after after we'd had all this big trip they went back to their home in in central utah back to the farm and all of that and they had so many invitations to show their pictures and talk about where they'd been. They were the talk of the town, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. And they, we, living amongst all of these uh, 
people who were used to, more used to the cosmopolitan world, we probably got asked to give a talk about where we'd been and what we'd done maybe three times. <laughs> and they, I bet they, I bet they showed those slides and, and talked about where they'd been like 30 times. <laughs> Everybody wanted them to come and, and show their pictures and show pictures of the of course, the places that you just named, uh, Rome and the Alps and the, all those things. And the that, Holy Land, of course. And then, <laughs> yeah. The, and then the Holy Land. That would be that would have been the, the main thing. That's the main event. That's like all the other things were sort of, to prepare you for, yeah. you know, Jerusalem, the the, the Israel, like, the Bible. Yeah, all of that, and. At that time, at that time, uh, Israel was divided between the Arabs and the and the Israelis, and so we had a few adventures in regard to that. When we when we we had to first go, we had to first go to the Arab sites because you couldn't, you couldn't, if you'd been in Israel, they would not allow you in the Jordanian area. You couldn't, you couldn't cross. So when we, when we went to, when we finished the sites in, uh, in the Arab section, then they took us to a to a place where there was a no man's land between the two countries. They took us to a place, and then they said, "Okay, now you're on your own. You take your suitcases and walk <laughs> through this no man's land." Oh man! Until you get over into the into Israel, and then you cannot come back, because once you've got your passport stamped with an Israel with an Israel, we won't let you in. Entry, you cannot return back to a Jordanian. Did the Jordanian side stamp your passport? Uh huh. Okay, so so it was and like they didn't they didn't care. The Israel Israelis didn't care if you'd been to Jordan first. They didn't care. But it, the other way about, they the, wouldn't. Uh, the Jordanians did care, so you had to plan it out. That's yeah. so cr like, just walking across this barren no man's land desert between two hostile nations yeah. in 1964, seven months pregnant with your 70 year old parents, <laughs> <laughs> who were all. Oh, this is so. This is such a good, memorable scene in my head. <laughs> so you made it to the Israeli side. What happened next? Well, in either in either side, we loved the experience in in the Holy Land. It was a sacred, holy place, and I fell in love with that area. I didn't. I I just wanted to experience and see everything 
all all the places all the all the things everything that that was there i just wanted to i wanted to see it all and we did see some really interesting things the 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 Sea of Galilee and where Jesus taught the people and the all, the, all those places in, in Jerusalem the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane and the the birthplace of Jesus and the place of the crucifixion the garden tomb the pl all all those places were it, it was so amazing to see in in person all the Capernaum uh, Tiberius, Jacob's well, <laughs> all all the places that things happened in the Bible that you've been hearing about all your life, there you could go there and actually they're real places. Be there and see those places, and I just felt like that it. I I was so glad that we didn't not go. <laughs> that we that we stuck stuck with our plan and went there and then to go there with my parents who were just finishing their mission and they were you know of course filled with the spirit and it was it was it was a holy experience for us and after i after i got back home again the cleaning lady that would come and help me help me with my housework she said to me what happened since i was here last you're like a different person you like you're like she just she was trying to figure out and i was still i was still reveling in the spirit that we'd felt in the holy land it was a whole it is a holy land you feel it in spite of all the the war and the trouble that goes on there you feel it when you're there you feel the spirit of that place where jesus actually lived we we got to see nazareth where he grew up we got to see the All those, all those towns that that you read about in the Bible, and all and all those places that in the Old Testament too, like where where Samson pulled down the building and lived. And yeah, <laughs> they, 
things like that, and where where uh, David slew Goliath, <laughs> all of those kind of things. You just got to actually be there and see that, and you could you you felt the spirit of all of that so strongly that I that I just I just actually fell in love with with that place, and I've been back three times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's awesome. And I and the last time I was there I remember every time I'd wake up in the morning and I'd hear those chauffeur horns blowing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I'm still in Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> anyway, that was that was just to me a joy that I couldn't repeat in any way. Because you got to take your parents. Yeah. I bet they didn't think, born in the 1800s, living on a farm in Utah, that they would be in their in their retired years in the Holy Land and just on the tail end of, of serving a mission. And uh, I bet that was just really, really special to share with them too. Well... It was. It definitely was, and and that was one of the reasons that that so many people, so many groups in Sevier County asked them to come and and share it with them, with those people, because not many of them had had the privilege of ever going there, and to hear them tell the experiences that we had there and the places that we saw and sh- show them pictures of, of all these places. That was, that was a, their, their experience got to be shared with so many other people that it was very much worthwhile. It was wonderful. It was, re- it was really wonderful. Well, and then to talk about us coming back from there we got home we got home safely and it was we'd been we'd been over there for a couple of weeks and and when we got back home the new building was almost completed and and the baby was almost completed. <laughs> the baby, the baby was almost ready, <laughs> and we, we actually, we actually had the dedication of the building. In, the, in the first weeks of of uh, July. And our our bishop Jesse Mortensen had worked so many hours on that building, him personally putting in so many hours, he just about worked himself to death. And when it came time for the dedication of the building, he was in the hospital. He was oh. had overworked himself. Oh man. And he talk about putting in your blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> absolutely. And so when they had the when they had the open house and let the public come and walk through the new building, 
then the state presidency was there and the it was supposed to be the state presidency and the bishopric and their wives but bishop mortensen was in the hospital and so i and don had to had to be in the receiving line instead of instead of the bishop and his wife which it would have been and i thought about that quite a bit because I was very, very pregnant by then. And, and Rachel was born on the, on the 15th of July. And this, that was like two weeks after we'd had the open house and the dedication of the building. So, so I always have an easy time remembering when our building was completed. And, <laughs> Because it's, <laughs> it it's Rachel. correlates with the birth of Rachel. Yeah. How long has that building been there? Oh, I don't know. Rachel, how old are you? <laughs> yeah. So, so all of that was uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful experience in, in my personal life. And I'm sure it was in Dawn's as well. What did the kids think? Uh, they were pretty young, but old enough to, you know, get excited about things. When you came home and you had all these pictures and stories, what did the kids think? Well, it's hard to, it's hard to get in their minds and remember what they thought, but, but it was such a wonderful thing, you know, and we brought them, we brought them back, uh, turbans, like the Arabs wore and and lammies and all kinds of cute little souvenirs and they were pretty happy to receive all of those souvenirs and and show we showed our pictures to the kids a lot we used them in a lot of ways and uh, made made movies for our, our slideshows for our uh, family home evenings and taught them the stories of the of the old testament and the new testament and showed them the pictures of where these things actually took place and and uh, just made some made some really special experiences out of it for the kids and then later on when when we wanted to make a to make a graduation trip for for Glenn he wanted to know we wanted to know where he'd like to go and he says oh I'd like to go to the to the holy land and we did we took Glenn and and uh, we took all of our, we took all of our family members, all of our adult children back to the Holy Land. I think you've inspired a tradition too, because I know that um, Glenn's daughter uh, is, is uh, or at least was, on her way to the Jerusalem Center program through BYU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that got canceled, but, but, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it seems to be something that left a, a deep and wonderful impression. Well, 
Mary Kay, when she was graduating from high school, she went to Jerusalem on a study abroad from BYU. And uh, Evan also did. When, when he graduated from high school, he went on his study abroad. To, to Jerusalem? Uh-huh. And then when, when Rachel, Rachel was going to go, she was signed up to go, and then she met Jerry Clark. <laughs> I said, Rachel, don't you think that he'll wait for you? Don't you think it's okay if you go for three months to Jerusalem and then come back and marry him? She says, Mom, I he's ready to get married. I don't think he'll wait for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, I really hate for you to miss out on that. But anyway... She didn't go. She she got married instead. And happily, and they happily, have lived happily ever after. They've lived happily ever after. And I've never I've never been sorry that they did what they did, but I, I've always been sorry that she missed out on that Jerusalem. She went on other trips, right? The uh... Oh yeah, she went with us when we when we took all the kids. Yeah, all the, all our kids and their spouses. And even if she never made it, you could say she still made it because she was <laughs> she almost was there. there. She was <laughs> she was there with you while you were there the first time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was that's that's just been that's just kind of been a defining uh, experience for me in my lifetime. I loved going there the first time and I loved going there every time I've been there since then and I would go again if I wasn't so old (laughs) (laughs) well grandma if you wanted to go again we we your children and grandchildren we'd find a way to make it happen (laughs) so going to uh the holy land and traveling in general the world's fairs all of these um foundational experiences What's a lesson that you pulled from them that you could share with people today? I say I say variations on this theme over and over again, but I just think we should take the opportunities when they show up and do them because It's worth it. It's worth it. Go to go to places. Do things. Get the experience of of being there and and having the the thrill of those kind of things, and then. And I like to say it this way. There's a lot of things in life that you worry about. A lot of things that 
are difficult, but there's always a lot of joy to be had. So I say, take your joy where you find it. Experience your joy when the opportunity is there. Don't be waiting around for something better to present itself or for something to be uh, a bigger or better or time. Don't don't be waiting around till till you've finished school or till you've got your degree or tell you whatever till the kids are out of the house till the house <laughs> is paid off till the till you're retired till the just it's it's a never-ending yeah there's so many things don't wait for thinking that things are going to get better and then we'll do this and this no do it do it take your joy and enjoy it same thing with your kids don't be wishing oh, I can hardly wait until they're at this stage or I can hardly wait until they're at that condition or whatever. Just enjoy what they're doing now at this moment. Just enjoy what what is presented right now. Take your joy where you find it and love it. So I, I just think that's, I think that's so important to just do that. Make your life be, make your life joyful. Make it be happy. Make it be uh, wonderful as you go along because you're not going to be in this exact circumstance again. You, you, Something else will come along and there will be more joy to be had at that time but but just enjoy life as you go through it you only get one you only get one turn through life Uh just just do it make your make your joy and your experiences be things that you that will be joyful to you and and love them while you're while you're in this circumstance well i couldn't have said it better myself thank you for today's conversation and uh talk to you next time